Welcome back. This is lesson four on the Baltimore Catechism from the Ecumen. This one's going to be interesting. So creation and the angels, and this one I would expect will be somewhat controversial. So as if the other ones probably haven't been. I, I know they have, but we're going to hit some of the other stuff here where we know we're going to have differences with Protestants again and, and Jews. And May and I just say shout out to all the Protestants too, by the way, for sticking with it. Impressive. An epic story, like an epic poem. Like, you know, it's not like some weird oral tradition passed down the turtle amongst the sea and like on its back. Like it's some weird stuff like that. Like it's written as a historical account. It's written as the first first humans. Like we follow their family tree and the events that happened to them. That's how it's written. And in the original Greek word, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Like, who am I kidding? I don't speak Greek. It's a hero. <laughs> and then, again, going back to Scripture, if we're going to take any part of Scripture and believe it, so we're going to believe that Jesus walked the earth, we're going to believe that Jesus had apostles, we're going to believe that Jesus had miracles, then we have to presume that all of this in Scripture, inerrant, is believable. And when God finishes out his work and says that everything is good, Genesis 131, we have to presume he made it perfect. This is not he pulled it out of the oven and, well, it took some more hours, millions of years to rise. No, it was done. It was finished. And if he can go and take just a few more generations of monkey and I'll have that Adam and Eve I've been after. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, come on, man. Like, well, he didn't need millions of years to make wine. Well, he didn't my, need months to make wine. He didn't need days to make wine. He made wine instantaneously. Which it was the best by, wine ever. By the way, too, like, I mean, we've already, and it's, again, it's always, it is always, it's not atheists I have to argue, but of course atheists are arguing evolution, this, that. It's always weak Catholics, and I don't really mean that disrespectfully but poorly catechized catholics or protestants that i have to have this conversation with that have already accepted this all-powerful god savior jesus christ all of these core tenets of christianity miracles and everything who somehow who somehow think that the coolest and most powerful majestic way to create something wouldn't be to just speak it into existence but would be to have some sort of petri dish and then just set the timer like, slow eons of grinding time yeah, like, yeah yeah trillion times a trillion to one odds that the thing that didn't have any life this mud had some lightning this ooze strike it and a whole bunch of failures along the way Nothing says power like that versus, no, I just took some mud and I made it happen. I brought it to life. Everything that humans could never do. Can you do. imagine how boring Thanos would be if he just blew like a little old dandelion spore <laughs> that flew off and, and got Spider-Man sick? And like, you know, and then I mean, just, and two movies later he dies. Like, you know what I mean? But what's way cooler? Just listen to the build-up, though. Yeah, then snap this the is fingers. The limp, anticlimactic, this is the great, all-knowing, all-powerful God. That we'll just, but yet, somehow. We'll just do it over a couple of, a couple of you know. Watch some dinosaurs first. We'll well, kind of just sprinkle it in. When God said, let there be light, it didn't take him millions of years. There was light. When Man. he said, rise from the dead and walk, they or rise from the dead, do that, and the cripple to rise and walk, both of them happened what instantaneously. What I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to rub lavender on his feet for the next like, 48 hours, <laughs> and I'll be, back, I'll be back on Tuesday, <laughs> and we'll see where we're at. So if all these things could happen instantaneously, why is it out of the question that God could do, the infinite God could do something instantaneously? He's infinite. Of course he can do it instantaneously. And then lie about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh man, this was way weaker than I, I'll just tell him I did it overnight. <laughs> six days. Six days sounds good. Oh, come on. So I, I think 
think we need to make sure that, that we're all on the same page from the fact that God, Almighty God, has almighty power and can do things that are beyond our comprehension. And if we're going to sit there and say that it is beyond our comprehension to understand the mystery of the divinity, the mystery of the Trinity, then there is going to be a mystery of creation that science will not be able to explain. And whether we like it or not, none of us was there 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. I don't care how many years ago. None of us was there to watch it, which means everyone's speculating. And the closest thing we have to a record of anything ever recorded on the face of this earth is the Bible. That's the only thing that's been consistent for thousands of years now from what Moses put down and passed on. Ever since Martin Luther wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm feeling a bit wily today. So when we put it all together, then let's accept the fact, yes, he's the creator of Earth and he makes miracles. Now, what were some of his greatest achievements? This is where we get into the next question. What are the chief creatures of God? Angels and men. We may want to go and personify animals, but they're not angels and men. And we want to make men sound like they're coming to become something else, this whole nonsense of evolution thing. What could they possibly become? (laughs) Like, you already had Christ. You had the perfect man 2,000 years ago. And is any one of you out there trying to tell me that I am better, I am more evolved than Christ? Come on. No way. No way. If anything, we are farther from Christ and breaking down and falling apart and getting you know, farther away from You bone is actually proof that you had a tail <laughs> at one point. <laughs> like, oh, then you're trying to insinuate that Christ had a tail even. Like, these, these analogies don't work. And I think the problem is, is you have skeptical atheists and other people who atheists have really, and honestly, pagans as well, have ultimately tainted. And corrupted. So we have all this corrupted mind, and we're trying to find every reason out there not to believe God and not to follow 100% of his commandments. And we think if we can actually explain him away through science, then maybe we have a justification in science and nature to say, well, I should act like an animal. Well, I don't need to actually do anything that Christ told me to do, or at least I can go and pick and choose what I want. In the end, acknowledging that he is a great creator, he's divine, he always has been, and he can create amazing creatures being angels in us. This should focus us on going, the angels didn't need to evolve. Angels were perfect from what they were from the very beginning. And if anything, the original sin tells us we actually turned away from the perfection that was given us. Again, from order comes disorder, not the other way around. Agreed. I just feel like I should spend more time in ridiculous Protestant circles on the Internet because I've never heard of this Jesus had a tail theory. That's a new one. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, you don't need an appendix. That's when that's when humans used to just eat raw meat out there. We've totally outgrown it. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just a. I'm just astounded. I mean, is, if men, men are the, I guess the pinnacle of creation, right? We're, it's kind of where it goes. Or some, there's a lot of perversions that are out there, and there a lot of them are subtle, and some of them maybe aren't even intended. But when you when you look at where they came from, right? When we're talking about preternatural, the, the bad stuff, the thing that is whispering these ideas into people's ears, tempt with temptation stuff, but. The idea, you are, I know everybody's, pretty much everybody's heard it. Oh, we're just animals, man. Like, we're just animals. Like, what is it? Instincts. It's yeah. all about instinct. Hey, baby, yeah. you and me ain't nothing but mammals type thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, if you're not governed by something else, you're going to revert to your beastly state, right? Right. Yeah. And, but then we're like, man, and then follow it, follow it even further, though, into the that whole we're made in God's image. And then what is it ultimately getting to? It's essentially the demonic saying, God is not God. You're tearing down his majesty. Let's right? not jump ahead, though. Let's go to the angels and we get to the fall, right? Well, and I, I will actually sit there and go, if we are made in God's image, though, God would not make us imperfect then. God oh, has to make us perfect up front. I agree. And the only thing that happens is we fall away from his image with original sin. Now we are less perfect than we started. And now it promulgates every single sin in the cascading mm-hmm. set of sins that ultimately results in the flood and everything else that comes after it. We are falling away. And now 
working away from his image. Yeah, and that's where Christ comes to actually get us back. He says, no, 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 I'm going to pull some of you back in. Come with me. He offers it up to everyone. Not everyone accepts. And now this is where there are a lot of tools that he has in his toolbox to help us get there. And so he has the mass. Not only does he have the mass, he has creatures that were created here. And who are those creatures? Angels. So we're going to sit there and go, what are angels? Angels are created spirits without bodies, having understanding and free will. Angels are more powerful than any of us could ever possibly comprehend. Every single person, with the exception of one in all of Scripture, when they see an angel for the first time, they're scared. They're scared. Uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And I guess technically Joseph is also, you're right. Joseph is also seeing angels and not scared of them. But everybody else, the angel has to go, whoa, 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 whoa time out. I'm not here to kill you now. <laughs> Please get this, off the floor. This yeah. overwhelming dread. <laughs> Why is that? Because we have original sin. Yeah, Restoring the faith. I mean, the other day hit this perfectly with their Immaculate Conception video. Um, they, re- I mean, they really did. And it's the idea she was conceived without sin, the Immaculate Conception. And I know that's going to be a lesson further on down the line, so we won't get too much into it. But she isn't afraid of them, whereas every single other human, all of us since the fall, would be terrified. Yeah. And it, initially, to meet an angel. And yeah, I, they just radiate just a fraction of the glory of God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's too much to take in. But they're... Um, they're, they're not like us, though. They have uh, just the instantaneous bandwidth. They know exactly what God wants them to know when they were supposed to know it. So they don't have the means of salvation like we do. They don't have the mass. They don't have the contrite paths to go back to God. Once they made their choice, it was over. Yep. And I think then this is where uh, St. Thomas goes on a lot about this. I'll try to include those in the description here of the video. But St. Thomas, also considered doctor of the angels, he writes about what the angel's will looks like, how they actually act on nature, and a whole bunch of their other uh, uh, roles. But any of the stuff we don't cover in this lesson, I'll make sure to include that so you guys can go and, and uh, look it up. Because the, the next thing we're going to ask here is, uh, so you have, a, you have an angel. It's a spirit creature. It was created with infused knowledge right out of the gate. It already knows good and evil. It does not have a body that was reserved for men alone. We were unique in that respect in terms of that God wanted us to partake in heaven, but he gave us uh, physical flesh that the angels would not possess. And not only then do they have this infused knowledge, but unlike what Muslims and Jews happen to believe, they have free will. They have the ability now to choose whether or not they were going to stay with God or turn against him. So when you look at Muslims and Jews writing about, and honestly, some Protestants, looking at how they're dealing with angels, these angels are perfectly free to do whatever they wanted. And, and that's ultimately where we're going we're gonna to hit this one in another question or so. But angels themselves should be something, especially the good ones, are a creature to which we really should aspire. They are short of God. They're not God. They're still a creature. They're not. They're you know, persons. Yes. We don't worship them because, again, they're creatures like we are. Not divine. But, man, are they powerful. And, again, you're looking at, at angels that in Scripture. What do they do? They destroy cities. They destroy entire armies. They can heal the sick. They can fight off the bad angels, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But, uh, and, honestly, they're, they're passing on messages from God directly. So they have it. their job is to take it down. And if we read Scripture, their jobs are to take messages back up. Like, there are so many roles here that they have. And so this gets us into the next question, 38. What gifts did God bestow upon the angels when he created them? He bestows on them great wisdom, power, and holiness. So these are amazingly beautiful creatures with the ability to foresee a bunch of stuff because God told them how things were going to work in general. He doesn't tell in the end. Even Christ tells us, it, tells us this later on in Scripture. Again, we just talked about the power that they exhibit and the holiness. Like, so they 
have the ability to be sitting there looking at God forever. They're right there next to him. This would be something that all of us want to have. And think of how beautiful that is, is to have this beautiful creature of pure will sharing in the glory of God. Effectively already infused with grace as well. It's amazing, these things. And this is where we have to move on to, to like, did all the angels keep that? Did they preserve it? And they wanted to go stay with God? No, not all the angels remained faithful. And this is where we see the fall of the angels that happens then, or at least it's cataloged, I believe, in both the Gospel of Luke uh, and I think the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah covers it in terms of Satan saying he doesn't want to serve. Job talks about the rules that ultimately they abide by. Tobit talks about the healing powers and all that stuff. Uh, and actually talk, fighting against evil angels. But the key here is we see this whole breakdown of a bunch of angels that turn. And it's not just a few angels. I think when we look at the guardian angels that are out there, we see that guardian angels are created in a number that looks comparable to the full number of human souls ever created. So if you're talking billions of humans, you're talking billions of angels. And it's theorized that then that would possibly only cover maybe even a third of the angels because there are multiple choirs. Again, St. Thomas goes into this. But there are a third of the angels, as it says in the uh, book of Apocalypse, that a third of the angels fall with Satan in rebellion against God. And people go, yeah, if they knew, if they knew um, what God wanted them to know and they were infused with all this wisdom and this grace, and why would they ever have, have chosen not? And the same thing can be said to uh, humans, right? Time and time and time and time and time again, we get second, third, fourth, fifth, X number of chances to do God's will, to receive his grace, whether we know it or not. And time and time again, you see people in your daily life that actively turn away from that. It's the same thing. Look at Judas, right? Yeah, yeah, we've already talked about Judas, yeah. Chose not to serve, just like Satan in the original fall. They did not want to serve. They have their own willpower. They they have their own thoughts on the matter. They know the infused knowledge is, is true. They know who God is to that extent. And they knew what the consequences were, too, Absolutely. by the way. And it's not one of those things like, I don't think I want to follow you right now. And then they find themselves in hell and they go, you know what? I've changed my mind. Like, no, they knew. And angels the, don't change their minds. Exactly. The instant they made their decision, they knew the consequences and their decision was for eternity. It was not because that's part of the angelic nature of them. They're not humans where they get to waffle back and forth and right and wrong and make this windy path. They're just too smart, you know, to do that essentially. But unfortunately for the demons or the devils, as they're also known, the fallen angels, their virtue is not there anymore. They actually yes. forsook their virtues. They, they left it behind. They don't feel remorse. They actually hate. They hate them. everyone, actually. So the, I believe, was it a Morth or another exorcist? Do you guys remember the story where they're doing the exorcism? Oh, yeah. And, and the it, yeah. exorcist tells the demon, go back to your friends in hell. And the demon, through the person he's trying to exorcise, says, you know nothing. There are no friends in hell. So these beings now who have lost everything that is good actually see no good in anything. And now it's all out of pride. This is absolutely pride eating them to the core and their will now completely devoted in trying to prove God wrong. And honestly, it not just God wrong, but whatever it takes to prove that we are not even worth it. That yeah. How do I prove that humanity wasn't even worth any part of the effort that was going to be expended? I mean, it's the... It's the Alfred from Batman. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Like that's that's all they care about. There's they have no end goal outside of just tear down whatever they whatever they can of God's creation for their own vanity. And they have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to do it. 
too, because that's still intact. Yeah, yeah, it is. Their angelic nature is still intact. They're only they're only able to act on what what God allows them to act on. And yeah, I don't know what we what we want to talk get into, but now yeah. we're talking about angels and all. Well, that. Well, and the thing we're gonna actually have to to address here too is so when we're talking demons and we're talking devils, um, this is where paganism comes in. So oh, pa- I know what I was gonna say. Paganism is literally the worship of demons, and yes. that that's one of the reasons why it's so utterly detestable. Yes. Why God would sit there and say to the Israelites, go kill every man, woman, and child, and livestock owned by all of the pagan peoples in what would be the promised land, the land of Canaan, um, because these people were doing everything utterly grotesque, evil, as they're sacrificing children, as they're living hedonist lifestyles, they're blaspheming God or making fun of the whole thing. And in the end, they've already made their bets. They've decided it's over in following God, and they've done some really terrible things. And the problem is, is these demons are reveling in it. They're reveling in it. And it's also important to know, though, that, you know, it's like, whether it's like a movie Constantine or, oh, there's a terrible, awful movie uh, called Legion. Oh, it's so oh, bad. That is, it's so, it. it's that. so backwards and just utterly ridiculous. Here, I'm going to give you the highlights real quick. Uh, the Antichrist is about to be born. And God sends his legion of angels to kill the Antichrist. Of course, the angels appear as demons. And the dude from Master and Commander, the doctor, whatever his name is, he is was St. Michael, the archangel, who, who tells God he's wrong. He yeah, gets cast down know. from heaven, fights off all the demons, beats up the angel Gabriel who shows up, and then God realizes he was wrong, and at the end of the movie, St. Michael has his wings back. It, I mean, this is such a bad movie. So I can summarize that in one word, blasphemy. That's, it's, I mean, it's, it's terrible. terrible. So we've it's saved terrible. you all the trouble. None of you yeah, have to watch ever, that terrible film it. now. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea is that they're reveling in it, but also they, in those movies, these pop culture things, you see this weird, like, oh, it's a seesaw back and forth, like, Demons getting the one up, the exorcist. They, no, they they can, only, they can only Never. they can only do what they are allowed to do. Yeah, and that's where the Book of Job comes in and actually gives the rules in terms of demons are quite limited in terms of how they can actually impact us. I've heard exorcists say, "No, demons are not under every rock; they're under every other rock." And even if they were under one rock, you go back and look; they're not there anymore. So. The thing is, though, is we don't have to worry about them if we are sticking ourselves to Christ. We are sticking ourselves to His will. We are practicing our Catholic faith the way we are supposed to practice it, and we follow every commandment that God gave us. Yeah, when you start to go down, when you start to go down some really um, murky rivers into the 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 dark, deep jungles of theology and stuff, that's where you find yourself at a. Uh, a point that uh, many Americans are at right now, my body, my choice, uh, murder for convenience, uh, things like that. Well, hedonism, this is where pride, lying, every single violation of all the, the Ten Commandments actually takes place. You have things like yoga that are now turned into like, well, it's just exercise, even though it's completely a Hindu practice where they're actually paying homage to their, uh, basically the devils that are showing them how to yeah. move or shape themselves in certain ways. Yeah, that's uh, it's the, your, the, their worship positions for that specific deity. I can't remember who I was listening to pretty recently that was talking about like the, the pinnacle of yoga is essentially to have the serpent uh Attach itself to your spine, yeah, release to your spine for you to feel, you know, euphoria and all sorts of like crazy stuff. But yeah, when you when you realize when it all makes sense, and then you take a step back and you realize all the terrible stuff that pagan societies throughout all of human history have done, 
whether it's the Aztecs or the Mongols or the Nords or any of that, the Egyptians. No wonder when the Israelites came into Cana, God was like, uh, yeah, these people, no, let's go ahead and wipe them off the face of the map. We should make a, uh, a slight note for the, the people that are hearing this for the first time. If uh, So in, in the Christian faith, you have a very top-level assertion that you can only serve one of two masters. And if you're not serving yeah. Christ, you're only serving Satan, who is the prince of this world, who has been given authority in this world. Because there's only two places to go. That's it. It's a, it's a binary existence. And and so just in case you get the stuffing scared out of you over the last like two and a half minutes of conversation, if you're new to this, if you're living a good Catholic life, uh, nominally speaking, uh, within those parameters, and you go on the confession, and you go on the, you're meeting your obligations, the chances of you encountering any of the, the real vile stuff that the exorcists are talking about or teaching about, uh, it's their learned opinion, at least over the last few years I've been looking into it, that it's, it's next to non-existent. But if you dabble and you move outside the authority that God has placed in the church on earth, then you open yourself up to them legally. Like in fortune telling and seances. Yes, and voodoo. And they now have that. a right to you and they, they will Ouija use boards. you. Ouija boards, You're yeah, actually, they're exactly what Brian's saying. They're all, they're, they're very, the rules are, they're very legalistic. That's how they argue. This person did X, therefore I, sh- I have the right to do Y. Well, Satan is the great accuser. Yes. They, like, that's just how it is. So if, if we offend God, we open the doors to some really bad things. Now, if you guys want us to go into detail uh, in the future, uh, make sure to throw something in the comments, and we will add more detail onto this conversation because there's so much out there in terms of research and resources and not even having to get into any of the, the terrible rabbit holes. So we, we can help you out there. Um, but yeah, just, just hit us up. There's Yeah, there's so many people. I mean, when you're talking, there's so many avenues to learn, whether it's reading or podcasts or other talks of people who know way more than we do. Trusted exorcists um, and that, Catholic sources. I mean, that are, yeah. And like, we'll include Augustine and, and uh, Justin Martyr there for your uh, reading pleasure, because those guys actually cover it in the very beginning. So, But it was we'll said, in a, and it, it said, and it's bear, it bears repeating again, Brian hit the nail on the head, that it is a binary thing. There is no middle ground, benign middle ground of, well, I know it's not of God, but it's not, it's not Satan worship. You know, it's, it's just yoga. It's just for stretches. Like, sorry, man. So either way, the the whole thing is, is live on the good side and you'll deal with the good angels. So it's pretty, pretty straightforward. And so uh, that's where we all want to be. This moves into the, the next question we'll add. So what happened to the angels who remained faithful to God? So we've talked about all the, the bad angels doing all sorts of bad stuff and causing problems for everybody. Well, for those angels who remain faithful, they get to remain in eternal happiness in heaven, adoring God forever. So being with him, doing what he says for them to do, being happy. With a fulfilling mission. Yeah. So this goes into that whole, well, man, it'd be so boring to be in heaven for eternity. But you get on to question 41. What do the good angels do in heaven? They get to see the infinite and perfect God. And they get to love that infinite and perfect God with every ounce of their existence. And they get to adore him forever. It's infinite worship they get to serve ends. they get to serve the world's best boss and not the michael scott like i mean they literally have <laughs> they literally have like i can't believe you just made that comparison well, it, it works though that's the best part yeah. It, yeah like i mean literally their hour god but like god in heaven is perfect he is he is perfect the definition of perfect so they never have to worry about a bad day at work they never have you know like any of that stuff they get to see the beatific vision and every single thing that they do is fulfilling. It's, it always baffles me for like uh, religions that like, where's my 72 virgins? Like, like how does that even and compare? It's just, yeah, just the, the temporal, uh, the temporal beastly outlook 
Um, I don't desire to want to make heaven like like Earth, yeah, the Happy Gilmore. But it's, you know, but it's terrible because you know, in the pictures end, of beer yeah, and women but, in lingerie. Like. Well, and that's the thing, and the the Earth is corrupted, and the problem is, is we're fighting that corruption the whole time. And this is where ultimately this comes into the next question: How do those good angels help us? Because the problem is, it's like I don't want to deal with this Earth alone. This, this, we get mm. our butts kicked all the time. We're completely right. incapable. Whether it's temptations or whether it's pains that are put on us, because we find people who are just completely exhibiting every vice you could possibly imagine and doing it against us. We're so in the end, fallible, yeah. How do good angels help us? Well, the good angels pray for us. They act as messengers, and they also guard us. Like, how many times have you had something in your life where you thought for that instant, I'm about ready to get hurt really bad, or I'm going to die right here? And whatever happens, you get out of it, and you're okay. And you're right here right now listening to this episode. And and that's one of the things where I would want to make sure that <laughs> – let's remember here that these good angels are doing all sorts of acts of protection. This also hits question 43, by the way, in terms of – how do the guardian angels help us? Because good angels and guardian angels are all working in this together. Mm-hmm. So angels are on the same team. The thing you need to think about as all these angels are doing this work, they're messengers. That means they speak. That means they have feelings. That means they are actually listening to God and they're listening to us now. That's their job. At a minimum, guys, please, anyone who's listening, please, right now, thank your guardian angel. <laughs> thank yeah. any angel that got Why involved. Why would you not invoke him? I mean, it's like having your very own Gandalf, like right there, ready to assist you. Specifically created by God for you. For you. And in the end, God didn't say, well, only by talk the way, to me ever. No. And by the way, might we also add when we say created for you, not for you, not your personal servant. No, created. That was his charge job. Over you. Given charge over you. Yes, that. You he were, accepts you. He yes. loves you. He takes you in all your faults. More than any family member or any friend that you could possibly imagine in this world, the angel loves you more than that because that's what God created it to do. Thank him because of the time and effort he put in to making sure you don't do anything stupid and and end up in a bad place. That's what they're doing because how many guardian angels are crying right now, despairing as they're watching their people walk away from God. And they're trying to do everything they can. Their person won't talk to them. Their person thinks they're talking to God alone or whatever they're doing. And in the end, they decided to refuse all of the graces, fall into vice and everything else. We need to step back for a minute and realize that, that we're all in this together. God does not have an army of one. That's not how this works. We're all together. We're all working this in a joint effort to go to heaven. And we need to remember that as we How many of us as hedonist reverts or converts, the three of us sitting right here, don't deserve deserve to be here right now talking (laughs) about this? And how much of that we don't know, and we we won't know, um, hopefully until we're fortunate enough to see, to make it to heaven, but we don't know. But how much of it is, I I, I shudder to think, is because of the protection of my guardian angel. So if you're one of the people that's fortunate enough to be listening to this, and maybe you've gone through some really, really bad times in your life, and and yet here you are somehow, by some miracle, just clicking on this video, which only has a handful of subscribers, and you're one of the people that somehow listened to it, well, thank your guardian angel, and um, why don't you... uh, assist some other guardian angels out there and get their people to uh, follow along as well. Remember, they're messengers. We can talk to them. Not only can we thank them, but ask them for help. When you realize things Mm -hmm. are going sour, remember that James in, let's see, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, actually says the prayers of the just. He's like the book of Eli. I love it. Have more (laughs) efficacy here than... Our prayers. God doesn't hear the yes. prayers of sinners, especially if we can't even see the, the the sins we've committed where we're continuing to make a mess. We're dead weight. So why wouldn't you go sit there and this angel 
who this angel is never going to turn away from you because that's what he was told. He's like, no, thick and thin, you're always there. You wait for him to turn back to me. And the angel's just there right next to you. And all you got to do is say, you know what, angel, please help me. And then angel's like, I got you, bro. And actually gives prayers up and you can connect everything back in and you have more hope to get back in the good graces of God by working with all of this, the creatures that were around you to help. If you're willing to go to church and you're willing to ask other people to pray for you, other sinners who are a complete mess, <laughs> like all of us and all of our failings, why would you not ask an angel who hasn't actually sinned once? Come well, on. We should bring in two points real quick. Uh, one major point is that they respect your free will. They're not going to do something against your will. So you do need to ask. You do need to involve them in those things. And as just a brief Catholic PSA, please do not name your guardian angels. Like, that's bad. Oh, it's it's that's horrendous. Pride. Because you are not, they're not your pet. They're God's creatures. They're God's ultimately, creatures. They're and bigger and stronger than us. And ultimately, yeah, they have charge over you. Like that, that's in our prayer. And additionally, if you're talking to them and they tell you that, uh, you should not trust any of that. <laughs> Just find find a very good priest that can help you discern spirits. Because that goes back to, uh, circling back to the bad angels, uh, like to ape and mimic these things to mislead you. Yeah, I'll include stuff from John of the Cross in the comment section below so we can talk through that. Because this is actually moving into the next set of issues, actually, conveniently enough here. What happens to the angels who don't remain faithful to God? They were cast into hell, and they're now called either bad angels, fallen angels, or devils. And the issue is, is that what do they love to do? Lie, like their father, who is the devil. And the end is they're lying. Guess what they really love to do? Act like good angels for a little bit, just long enough so you'll listen to them. Act even like maybe the Holy Spirit, because why not? Someone will listen to them, so they'll just sit there and talk, talk, talk. Could they impersonate the Blessed Mother? Yes, they can. Medjugorje. Ooh. Oh, oh we talking. went there. Oh, yeah, we're there. We're there. We weren't going there, but we are. I was like, I was like oh, we're going to allude to it, but no, we'll just say it. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say it. The thing is, is that, yes, we know that there are instances where there are demons showing up yep. to act as if they are good things. We know there are exorcists. We know there are bishops who have warned individuals, do not go there. John of the Cross is warning to everyone who sees anything preternatural or feels anything or hears anything, don't trust it, forget about it, throw it out, and move forward and be Catholic. Because in the end, anything that's preternatural and not of God, it's negligible. You don't have to worry about it. And if it really was of God, guess what? If you try to ignore it, it'll come back. <laughs> and it'll continue to be absolutely the most clear and perfect expression of all of God's truth ever known to man. And in the end, you'll be able to talk to priests and bishops, and they will ultimately affirm it. Outside of that, though, you got to watch out for bad angels, fallen what angels, is, and the devil. Because hmm? what does uh, Muhammad think he first sees? He thinks he sees a Gabriel. Demon. No, he thinks he sees a demon. Oh, that's it's, right. his, it's his wife that convinces him it's Gabriel. But what is? how does the angel behave? We already talked about this before in one of the other shows about how every every angel shows up. These are so powerful, and we're so Scared. predisposed to be afraid of these things that every angel has to be like, Fear not, fear not, I'm here to deliver a message, I'm here on behalf of God. And what does that angel do? He holds Muhammad down and says, and scares him. And says, fear me. Fear me. And so in the end, But yes. of course, that was Gabriel, yeah, that was the messenger, all right. Doubt it. Yeah. So, the, the end, and this is where we get into the next question here. What is the chief way that the bad angels try to harm us? Well, what they're going to do first and foremost, before they're going to go show up in person and try to fake as if they're someone else, they're just going to tempt us. Temptation that little death. voice in the back of your head, although everyone loves to sit there and say, let your conscience be your guide. Thanks, freaking Disney. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. 
The problem is you also have other voices there that are not necessarily good. And you don't know what doors you've opened. You don't know what doors your friends have opened. You don't know what doors your family has opened. You could walk into some really bad stuff and some really bad places and start being inclined to want to do things that are not in line with God. And in the end, you have to go and know your faith well enough so that temptation cannot affect you because those angels are doing everything to get you to go that one degree off course just to get you off the narrow path. So that in the end, you fall into that wide path that leads to destruction. Yeah, one degree. It doesn't matter if, if you're a full-blown Satanist that proclaims him your your deity. It doesn't matter if you are a pagan, neo-pagan. It doesn't matter if you are just a, hey, I'm just a hippie. I just love everybody. Like, you know, like, it doesn't matter what to what degree you're off. If you're off, you're off. And by the way, Pete, you said it doesn't matter what doors you've opened or family have opened. Do you want to talk about how, after we get done with temptations, you want to talk about how they attach themselves? Yeah, the problem is, is demons are ruthless. And if you look again, Job is a really good example. The other examples you have are the possessions when you see Christ driving out demons, is that people have done things that ultimately allows them to be attached. And I believe it's Mary Magdalene who has how many demons removed from her? Is it seven? Yeah, and basically he sits there, and as he removes them all for her sins that she had committed in her past, these, these demons not only attach themselves to people, but they can attach themselves to places. They can attach themselves to things. And when Christ actually casts the demons out, in the one instance when uh, we are legion, and where do they go? Into the pigs. Uh, in the end, they just want to be away from holiness. They want to be away from God. That's their whole thing. They hate God so much because God judged them. God has everything that they don't want to be. So we've already touched on this, So, but uh, don't be going to fortune tellers. Uh, don't be partaking in any sort of, you're going to New Orleans, going to any sort of voodoo shops, thinking you're going to pick up a cool trinket. Uh, if you're stopping on Highway 40 somewhere in Oklahoma, uh, don't pick up a big dream catcher, you know, like all these things. They're pagan. That They're are demonic. pagan and ultimately have their roots in, in diabolical obsession, can lead to diabolical possession. With that, I'm going to circle back to the guardian angels and those that tempt us. The guardian angels are the watchers. They watch over us, yes. But believe it or not, there may have been a guardian angel that rejected you and became fallen and just hate your guts from the mere existence of your conception. But as scripture tells us, Satan goes around as a roaring lion, right? So like a roaring lion. Or like it's a roaring not a lion. Oh yeah, He's not a lion, like one. like one. But if you ever watch a lion hunt, you know, they're they're constant in their in, in their stalking and they're watching their prey. And they watch us the same way. They know what your breaking point is, what your triggers are, mm-hmm. your proclivities. And that's when they just, at the base, I mean, the, the level one, just inject that little temptation. Well, because St. Thomas asserts, and this is where it's important, look at what he wrote in the Summa, that that angel that likely rejected us, that fell, actually has our same strengths and weaknesses and knows them. So if they're going to actually tempt us and try to drive us into something bad, they know exactly how to do it. And I, I think this is another key moment here. To, we'll move on to the next question. But do all temptations come from the bad angels? No. No, they do not. There are, there are temptations there. Excuse me. They actually, there are temptations that come from those demons. But in the end, there's also the temptations that come from the flesh, ourselves, mm-hmm. and come from the world. And that comes out of the corrupted nature of everything that happened with original sin has now opened up this whole mess that we all get to follow, uh, follow along after Adam and Eve have uh, kind of laid waste to everything, uh, to the point, I should say, broken to the point where Christ had to come and fix it, 
Um, but in the end, this is why John can confidently say, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. And I believe James goes even further to sit there and say, if you love the world or anything else that's not God, there's no way you can love God. This is where we're stuck. So the only way we can actually get out of these uh, situations where either the angels contempt us or the world contempt us or the flesh contempt us, we have to learn how to love God first and foremost, solely. And in the end, if we love God, we can then love his creation as he sees it, not putting creation over him. I could tell you definitively as a person that's dragging themselves from one end of the spectrum to the other, that the more you seek God, the more you begin to love him, the more you will begin to hate everything else that's not him. And you'll see the danger in all of it. I, yeah, I, I think Pete, you brought up a good point in the question, are all the temptations from uh, devils? And no, it's it's such a such an easy way to shirk your own responsibility. And also too, by the way, it's quite prideful to just being like, oh, I'm being tempted by demons when, and not actually admit your own fallen, corrupted nature. The weakness. Your own weakness as opposed to, to just be like, oh, I'm perfect. I'm just being tempted by demons. The $2 word here is concupiscence, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a fallen nature. You, are, uh, you have weak points, things that you are going to be tempted with. And if you don't control your environment and assert some sort of affirmative willpower, uh, you'll be open to it. And the devil is not responsible for everything wrong in your life, not for every temptation. Sometimes it's the world, right? It's our idiot neighbors mm-hmm. and they're not very charitable in how they dress or how they act. And, yeah. But you're still responsible for your own actions. And... Pete, too, by the way, we had this conversation uh, not too long ago, uh, a couple weekends ago, right? There's all these temptations, and you're supposed to seek strength in God and face them with the exception of just one. Run away. Run away from the one sins of the flesh. So we'll include that link in here as well. But the spiritual combat, you actually have the monks from the uh, 1500s writing a guide on kind of the monk's guide to better living. And in there, they talk about the, the rules for living uh, in terms of dealing with all of those temptations and all of the pains of life and how to be Christ-like as we, uh, you know, kind of walk the earth. And the thing we need to know is that when we, and we're going to tie it in here to the last question, can we resist these temptations? Yes, we absolutely can resist temptations because a temptation is not a forcing into sin. It's just an opening the door and offering of sin that happens either from ourselves, the world or the devils. But we can always get out of it. And that's where that's, you know, Christ says my grace, excuse me, Paul is the one who actually talks about God offering grace that's sufficient enough for us to get away. And we need to remember at, at all times that this is not something that is impossible for us to face. However, the flesh uh, when we get into the sixth commandment, the ninth commandment issues, it's overwhelming. We cannot think straight. Every guy knows you get into certain situations, you just cannot think straight anymore. This is why pornography is such a problem. This is why there are so many issues out there in terms of why we need to work on custody of the eyes, why virtue in terms of purity is a big deal. There are so many factors out there where they're just trying to snare us. And when you realize at some level that as you walk through the world, you are this fish in the water, and everywhere around you is lures. They're everywhere. Every lure you could possibly imagine, every shiny out there just saying, hey, come on, take a bite. And that's that connection to evil that we don't want. And Catholicism is the way in Christ, in the sacraments, in Catholic living, where we can avoid those lures and ensure that we live the holy life and never get snagged in that, that way. Well, I think Brian Brian 
nailed it earlier when you said, uh, you know, regular partaking of the sacraments, confession, Eucharist. Just living the Catholic life. Living the Catholic life, fulfilling your obligations as laid out to you by God. It goes a long uh, way. Very quickly, very quickly, you you begin to viscerally, viscerally despise what is not of God. It start they they start to stand out quite a bit, and it starts to really start to yeah. You really really start to. <clears throat> I always catch it. it when the second you start confessing the same thing over and over again, like multiple weeks. Yep. And it's just like, I man, I really wish I could crack this. And then you, you something so, clicks, and ultimately, when that when that comes back up, you're just like, get away from me, like yeah, this. You just, just despise it at that point. So, but that only comes with partaking in the sacraments God gave us, not just sitting at home willing it not to happen. Yeah, you can't do this alone. And it's, so, it's, I think then your angel, your prayers to God, your prayers for intercession, all these things. Some of them we haven't even gotten to yet. All of those are the weapons and the armor that you're you're using, and the sacraments being the most important of them. And yeah, it's just once you start to do that, everything becomes clearer and really starts to annoy would be a, a light word. <laughs> and I, yeah. I think on that note is how we can end this. I, what, right now, what we're going to do, though, is I want to give you guys the uh, um, guardian angel prayer, and uh, that way then you hear it. We'll go and make sure to put it in the text. But this is the way that where you can actually ask them for help, your guardian angel, and then uh, we'll also uh, finish up with St. Joseph as usual. So uh, the prayer goes, angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this night be at my side, to light and guard, rule and guide. Amen. So for anyone who enjoyed this show, please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud, please follow us there so you can get all the updates as we uh, bring them out. As always, St. Joseph. Pray for us. Yes.